Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon, for the third Wednesday in Advent, December 15th, 2021, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good evening again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the gospel lesson for this evening. The sermon is taken from Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. can be found on page 1497 of your pew Bible. Reading in Jesus' name, Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he, saw what he had been, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, reaping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Heavenly Father, these are your words and your word is truth. We pray that this evening you would sanctify us in the truth, that you convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been with a toddler or a young child who was experiencing something for the very first time, just gleefully and excitedly soaking it all in, moving from from one thing to look at to another thing to look at, and instructing you, look, look at this, look, Daddy, look, look at me, look, over and over and over again, that word leaves their mouth. This is the same spirit 
and tactic that Matthew employs in our gospel lesson this evening. It may not come across as clearly or directly or even urgently, but it is exactly what he's doing. Every time in your English translations you see the word behold, it's actually a Greek word that just as easily could have been translated, look, look at this right here. And as such, Matthew gives us a perfect structure for our examination of the difference between King Herod and the Magi when it comes to responding to the newborn baby Jesus. It allows us to close, close our series on that topic this Advent. But before we do that, we need to take just a brief moment to get a better picture of the two parties in question this evening. What do we know about King Herod? We know actually quite a bit about him as a historical figure. Our primary source of information on King Herod is the Jew Jewish historian Josephus. And, and Josephus is a treasure trove of information regarding the first century AD, that kind of period of time. But we also know that Josephus is quite biased. He is an avowed and sometimes despised Roman supporter. In fact, many of the Jews of his day accused him of cowardice because he sided with the Romans. Because of this, he does not often paint a favorable picture of Herod, but this is also probably well-deserved on Herod's part anyway. Herod ruled in Judea for roughly 40 years. He had married a Jew and, and was known during his rule and his reign as an imposter and a usurper. Now, it looks like during the 40 years that he reigned, he tried to curry or bribe the favor of the Jews that he ruled through vast building projects, which included the start of the rebuilding of the temple that we see in the Gospels during Jesus' ministry. And as he was also not loved by the Jews, he spent a good amount of his time trying to terrify them into loyalty. Towards the end of his life, which we're at here in Matthew 2, Herod slipped into paranoia. He ended up having both his wife and at least two of his sons murdered, thinking they were trying to take the throne from him. He led one person to say of Herod, I would rather be a dog in Herod's house than a son, implying that it was safer to be a dog. What about the Magi? What do we know about these individuals? In contrast to Herod, we know very little about the Magi. We don't know how many there were or who they actually were. All we get from Matthew is that they're from the East, and that's it. And considering the setting, that's not entirely helpful from a historical perspective, because in Israel, when your western border is the sea, anything can be from the east. It can go as far as China, or it can mean across the River Jordan into those parts 
of the region. We can probably state more about who the Magi weren't than who they were. They were likely not kings, so for those of you who enjoy We Three Kings, probably not historically accurate as far as Christmas carols go. Uh, Wise men, which we have in my ESV translation, also probably not great as a label. Not, they just weren't scholars in the purest sense of the term. Biblically speaking, it would appear, at least on the surface, that Matthew uses the term magi intentionally. And that's because magi is used one other place in Scripture. It's used in Daniel to describe some of the advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar asked his advisors to interpret his dreams. And they couldn't interpret his dreams. In fact, their position as either diviners or sorcerers or finders of information was useless when it came to deciphering the things of God. And I think, and I'm convinced by the research I did for this sermon, that that is exactly Matthew's point. The magi for us in this passage, an unknown number of an unknown location and an unknown occupation, are simply Gentiles who are incapable of independently discerning the will, the word, or the miracles of God. I think that's what Matthew is setting us up for here. And with that in mind, the comparison between Herod and the Magi, we're finally prepared to look with Matthew. So the first behold that we get in Matthew 2 is, behold, look, the Magi. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah." For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The first thing we notice in comparing Herod to the Magi is that the Magi are entirely unexpected. In Herod's court, they simply show up. Now, there's a reason for this. A a, a simple thing that Matthew is highlighting here in his gospel. Herod and his advisors, the chief priests and the scribes of the people, the religious elite, should have known better. They should have seen this coming. They should have been prepared for the Messiah. But they weren't. That's a big idea. God has been preparing the Jews and the entire world, for that matter, for the arrival of the Messiah. 
But Herod and the chief priests and the scribes whiff completely on the birth of Jesus Christ. They're not even paying attention. And for our purposes, we simply need to step back and appreciate the suddenness of the Magi, the unexpectedness of the Magi. And then with Matthew, we look again. And he says, look, a star, the star. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. <clears throat> Excuse me. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Another key in comparing and contrasting Herod and the Magi's response to the birth of Christ is sorting out what to do about the star. And, and believe me when I say this is puzzled and perplexed and flummoxed scholars for as long as there have been scholars studying the star. Was it a natural phenomenon? Was it a miraculous, divinely directed event? Could only the Magi see the star? Well, it's entirely possible that God used a natural phenomenon like the aligning of planets to create a bright light in the sky to direct the Magi, it's also highly unlikely because we're dealing here with two years' worth of time at least, not days or weeks. I also think, for the purposes of what Matthew is writing here, that we have to really entertain the possibility that only the Magi could see the star. I think it's not definitive, but I think it's quite realistic. Because our two options with the star are either that Herod and his religious advisors were oblivious or not looking for the star, or this is God entering into human history with divine and special revelation on his part for the purpose of directing select group of people to his son to teach the church. The Magi, guided by God himself, saw Christ. And that's the point. The Magi followed the light and saw Christ. And in the process, God was delivering to them and to the world a Savior. Which leads us to the final look. Matthew tells us to look an angel. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. 
Just as God directed the Magi away from Herod, he also directed the Holy Family itself away from Herod. Why? Because God is in complete control of the situation. He works to ensure that Jesus lives, matures into manhood, and ultimately dies on the cross and rises again for the salvation of all humanity. God is in control, and God knows what he's doing. And so we look, and he sends a messenger for the purpose of salvation, for the purpose of preserving his plan for salvation. And all this time, while we, Matthew's audience, are looking, Herod saw something completely different. He saw all the wrong things. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, for she refused to be comforted, because they are no more. Well, we, during the entirety of this passage, are directed by Matthew and by the Holy Spirit to look and see the activity of God, Herod only sees that he's been at his own game. So what are we to make of all of this? What, what's the takeaway for us tonight? Just consider what we've been shown in Scripture tonight. The Magi were led by the light of a star. God himself directed them to Christ, and a messenger delivered God's word to them and to the Holy Family and fulfilled God's will. So it is with us. Every part of our faith comes from God and coincides with His will for your salvation. You are given the light of Scripture and led to the light of Christ who shines as one in the darkness, who shines for your salvation. You are led by the Holy Spirit through Scripture into all truth. And it happens frequently through a messenger that God sends you through a preacher, one who proclaims the Word of God. No one, not even the wise men, not even the magi, not even the best of what the world has to offer, reasons themselves into heaven. No amount of human wisdom will get us there. It is God, through His good and gracious will, who saves us. He even gives us the faith to receive that promise of salvation. But Herod, in contrast, could only and ever see Jesus Christ as a competing king. And in fact, the same was true for Herod's religious advisors, the chief priests and the Pharisees. For those who would not see the light of God... Jesus 
is a threat. Jesus was born during the height of Herod's paranoia, when his lust and thirst for power consumed him into believing everyone was a threat, but especially Jesus. And in his hardness of heart, Herod could only try to thwart, and foolishly at that, God's plan. Herod's religious advisors, the scribes and the chief priests, took up this activity of trying to thwart God's plan during Jesus' ministry. But as we sit and we ponder, we meditate on Herod and the wise men tonight, the message of God to your heart is this is exactly the state of your sinful nature. Jesus, God in the flesh, is a rival to our sinful autonomy. In our idolatry, we want to replace God with ourselves. Left alone in our sin, Jesus is a threat. But God, just like in Scripture with the Magi, comes to us. He comes to us with the light of his Son, with the truth of his revelation in his word, and with someone to proclaim the message of the gospel to us. And it's all true. And it's all from God. And it's all for you. This is how God operated in history 2,000 years ago, and that's how God operates in history today. And so, this Advent, in preparation for Christmas, as we receive our coming King, we thank God for the gift of repentance, and for the gift of salvation, and for the gift of faith all given to us by God, with His Spirit, through His Word, because of His Son. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.